So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. film strips from the 1980s and 70s that like would come with a little tape recorder and then somebody in the room yes. at school would have to like advance the next like, yes. frame of it and it would go boop on the tape and, and then, then a slideshow yeah <clears throat> oh my god I was always like such a type A kid I was like ooh, I need to be the person doing the turning <laughs> right like right I, I need to, <laughs> I have to carry this responsibility yes I forgot about that it was like a cassette and a little like you'd listen to a tape like a, a cassette tape, and then yep. um, it'd have like a slide reel. Yes. And you'd play the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it had like the front of the machine had little feet that could like extend so that you could yes. angle the yeah. like the projector up or down so that it would land right. in the right spot on your pull-down screen in your front of your classroom. Right. I think we did like in first grade, I remember us doing like a Mr. Body and Up With People thing, and recently I found out that was like a cult. No. Yes, it was a cult. Okay, anyway, welcome to Feature Creep colon built-in microwave. Semicolon built-in microwave. Wait, no, <laughs> semicolon editors. Where have all the editors gone? See, right? we need an editor for our own title of our own show. You if we could, had had an editor, I wouldn't have fucked that up. Right, if we'd had an editor, the script would not have gone this way. Right. It would not we have would made have it all the way the to script. production. Yeah. Yes. A, a good friend of ours and our neighbor recently revealed to me that they really enjoy podcasts, but they only like the ones that are like very a well produced, yes. kind of mm-hmm. like This American Life or whatever. Yeah. And they told me this sort of sheepishly as if they were admitting like, so I I don't really like listening to your podcast because <laughs> know, it's right? too haphazard. <laughs> and I was like, that's okay. Right. I mean, I our, appreciate that. our production values are usually centered around intelligibility in the in the sense of like auditorily you can understand the person who's speaking Uh, whether well the word like (laughs) the sound that comes out of their mouth is not muffled in any way or like lost to background noise or anything like that and also hopefully there's not other like grating noises that make it very difficult to listen to for an extended period of time but other than that there's not a lot of editing that goes into it um Mm -hmm. which is probably some Anyway, this podcast, if this is the first time you're listening to this, we've got a little front matter. This is our podcast. I'm Ned. That's Meg. Um, We've got uh, our illustrious Dana, the CEO and founder, um, Mm -hmm. who you can email and let her know your opinions about this podcast or if you have questions or I I don't know. People have ideas that they want to share. That's the place to go. And that email is dana at fcbm.io. And every once in a while, we get really lovely emails from listeners, and it's awesome. And sometimes we get ones that are like, oh, I had never even thought about that. So fantastic. Um, So that's that part. Uh, So this part is we're going to talk about editing, and we're going to ramble on and try to get to the end of this one. Um, And if you join us all the way to the end, then good job. And if you don't, no problem. There's lots of other episodes in our back catalog. Some of those might be more for you than this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. So let's talk about... Oh, wait. But you were saying um, I cut you off about... Oh. 
Did you? Right at the beginning, you were like going to talk about. um, I don't know. Before we got to editing, you were rambling, Mm. uh, rambling. You were pontificating. Oh, about the cult. About the cult. Right. Well, I mean, that's really all I know about it is that the like the 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 visible body man and his like up with people thing or were those two separate things? I don't know. I vaguely remember it. Yeah, it was like first grade, so I was like seven, so it was like 1986 gotcha. when, this, when I saw this. But yeah. yeah, they had like, they sent all these people, like up with people, went to schools and stuff, and they did all of these like dances and songs, and <clears throat> and it was just supposed to be kind of like this entertaining thing, but I guess behind the scenes, it was like a really weird cult, and I was like, wow, they infiltrated all of our elementary schools. That's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. It's an American 501c3 nonprofit. I think it's still a cult, though. <laughs> I mean, no doubt. Um, <laughs> I it's the Wikipedia One can be a five hundred one c three and a cult. Uh, oft, often, often, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, interestingly, um, yeah. it's not. There's not a lot of mention of its cultness. Um, oh, where did I see that? I can't even remember. I don't uh, even have a source for that. Yeah, well, Wikipedia. So. Um, I mean, one, I, I don't know the depths of it, but the overview of the Wikipedia article on Up With People just mentions that, you know, it started in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was born of a split from a group called Moral Rearmament. Oh, MRA. maybe that's the cult. Right. Um, and I mean, on the face of it, it's... Uh, you know, it's a pretty positive thing. Like the performances are, you know, uh, promoting themes such as multiculturalism, racial equality, and positive thinking. So, um, you know, anyway, like we don't need yeah. to, the point of this podcast wasn't to do a deep dive on that. So we'll put a pin in it and yes. maybe we'll look more at that because I do remember that. Um, so for what it's worth for next time when we talk yes. about this again, uh, Deadspin has an article about it being a cult. Okay. And they claim that they're the ones who invented the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, well, that part is Which on is the Wikipedia e- article. Wikipedia article. It is? Uh, well, Amazing. not about them claiming it. It's just, uh, uh, let's see. In the 1970s, Up With People began to make frequent appearances at the Super Bowl. The group performed in five Super Bowl halftime shows between 1976 and 1986. Um, by the 1990s. So they don't say anything about claiming that they created it. But um, hmm. it does okay. mention that they, you know, yeah. So, um, so editors, editors, yeah. So editors, um, for sure, a good editor probably would have reviewed this script and like kept us way more on topic way early. <laughs> um, but yes. I think, uh, I think the real question is, and son of a bitch, I had fucking, I had an article up about this, and now, oh, oh there it is. Okay, so, um. Yeah, so editing, what the fuck is it? Why would you do it? And um, what is this archaic uh, archaic uh, pastime? No, archaic... Uh, occupation? Occupation, yeah. So, yeah, like I, I ran Like who used to do this? And you'll notice we're talking about in past tense because we believe it, that basically it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. The, uh, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics has mm-hmm. a whole whole thing on editors um and they've indicated here that like 
editors don't don't get paid very much. I mean, that's that's not true. They get paid like $30 an hour, which is twice what minimum wage should have been 20 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it yes and no, they get paid a lot, but they it shouldn't be considered a lot to be paid $30 an hour in right. my opinion. Yeah. Um so editors make like $60,000 a year if you math that out. They need a bachelor's degree typically for entry level education. Um work experience in a related occupation in order to become an editor is less than five years and there they list no on the job training there is no job in which they will teach you to be an editor on the job um evidently in 2021 there were 108,400 jobs for editors and between 2021 to 2031 they're expecting a significant decline um at least five percent which means a loss of 5,500 jobs as editors. But uh, I will say, I think that that's not true. I think it's even worse than that because I see no evidence of fucking editors anywhere anymore, ever. Right. right. So let's go more backer and uh, or let's let's start at the beginning. So okay. um, according to Wikipedia, editing is the process of selecting and preparing written, photographic, visual, audible uh, or cinematic material used by a person or an entity to convey a message or information. Um, so the editing process can involve correction, uh, condensation, organization, and many other modifications performed with an intent or with an intention of producing a correct, consistent, accurate, and complete piece of work. So um, if you are if you've ever experienced like a piece of writing that had good editing you it can often stand out even when um you're comparing between like bodies of work from the same author right so like yes this is where to my mind editing or editors often don't get that sort of like level of billing or level of like and by billing i don't mean financial but although that too but what i mean mm -hmm. is like you know, they're often not even mentioned or, um, yes. you know, they'll like some author will write a piece of work and an amazing editor will create this beautiful piece of work, you know, or help it shine. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. it's like polishing and all of the things that come from like correcting and, and a good editor, I imagine, um, will correct your writing and it will work with an author or a creator of the piece in a way that allows them to elucidate the best version of their concept or idea, right? Yes. Um, the most clear, the most concise, the most uh, critically well understood, et cetera. So um, why, I think it's pretty self-evident why editing is important. Yeah. And why we're talking about it right now is just our sort of, I think we're just lamenting the loss of this profession as mm -hmm. a need, as because as I, I mean, one can imagine as sort of the need for content rises, um, the quality of that content goes down as it's right. more becomes more about volume over quality, right? It's just quantity over quality every mm -hmm. time. And who can afford to pay for an editor when I can just tell some fucko to write shit at like, you know, fucking $5 an article if they're real lucky. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, imagine that like, you know, you're in high school and you're fucking working on your like 800 or 2000 word essay or whatever. And and then like at the end of it, someone tells you that it's like, well, if you want to do this as a job, you will get five dollars for that one essay, assuming that you are the best of the best. Like, right. you know, 
the rest of you, nah. Stiff competition. Yeah. Um, so you can also imagine like a lot of people who write really love to write. And it's a tragedy because it's like they're getting basically nickeled and dimed out of out of any way to make a living for themselves by writing. Um, yes. So consider yes. your consumption of the written word in that way, right? Consider the context. Like, you know, what the fuck are you reading and like who's making it and why and how much are they actually getting compensated for this? Yeah, there's like a huge amount of work that goes into taking like just raw writing and ideas and making like a coherent narrative through line and making sure that everything is accurate and that the order in which the ideas present themselves in the writing are in a a sane like yeah a sane arrangement Mm -hmm. um to yeah i just think like I think the writing process is so internal that without having somebody else edit your work, it's not, there's no way that it can be as good as if it was edited by somebody else. Assuming they're a halfway decent editor. Right, right, yeah. You just um, have to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. And like, um, I ca- I'm sort of biased a little bit here because I spend a lot of time reading and writing. And I also grew up in a family that had a number of book editors and um, copyright editors and like all kinds of like ad copy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Some relatives owned a printing company when it was still like printing presses before digital printing was a thing. Yeah. Um, like, so I think I just grew up embedded around people who were like interested in and careful with language and had skills to do that. <clears throat> and it was never a mystery to me why that was important. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, do you suppose that the advent of, like, the ability to digitally self-publish on the internet, and I'm not talking about books like we publish where you can actually order a hard copy. I'm talking about, like, blogs and yeah. websites and, like, um, all that stuff just made it, ne- it made it possible to get your text out there for people to read en masse without having to go through an editorial process or a gatekeeper who decides what's worthy of being published or not. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I mean, one can imagine the scenario where it became, you know, as blogs and the ability to self-publish on the internet became more and more prevalent, um, it became clear that all the things that everybody was competing for from a financial basis was, you know, eyeballs, right? Yeah. And so- it became clear that um, the old model, like you can imagine like with newspapers and stuff, like they kind of li- lived on this other, um, I'm my mind immediately throws in this like analogy of the idea of like the way the US government works, where we have actually a republic, not a democracy. Like we have a democratic yeah. republic, which is to say that we elect people, but at the higher level, it's a republic where these politicians then actually make the votes and like decide on things and mm-hmm. do the governance. And so, you know, generally there's not this direct connection of it's like, I say there should be a law like this and then I make one. Like, right. I'm like, I think there should be a law like this. And I'm lucky if my politician hears it and takes it down to the floor and says, hey, I think we should do a law like this. Um, yeah. So, in the editing pro like prior to the internet, we had like, you know, let's just use newspapers as a model. And again, I'm just speculating on the little bit of knowledge I have. Like I don't have a deep understanding of this industry. But yeah, um, me, me either. I mean, you know, I mean, really, honestly, it's like the movie fucking interpretation of like what editing, you know, what yeah. what newspapers, how they run. But it's what um, we're good at. It's what we're good at. Just fully pulling shit out of my ass. Anyway, one can imagine totally. this scenario where prior to the internet, um, 
you had these newspapers and they were competing with each other and a lot of their standard was and by standard i mean like quality i guess or level of yeah. quality like what they reported on things like that was this sort of give and take between their bottom line of selling newspapers and advertising and their um their sort of like watching of each other and this competitiveness a little bit between like you know the quality of articles the kind of people that um the high profile people that then promote your newspapers in ways it's like you know if a yeah. to kind of put it in sort of modern day parlance it's like if a you know a popular figure is like oh well i read the new york times then it's like oh we just sold like 15 more subscriptions or more like a 100,000 subscriptions which is yeah. like a big deal right so capturing these particular individuals to promote your work etc whereas now with the internet it's like the the sort of the lowest common denominator can be is kind of king right and so if people are really casual readers and they're not and you know our brains are good at like filtering out information and kind of like just presenting us with like some nugget of things so if somebody can like write at a fifth grade level but they're saying shit that attracts people to look at it Yes. People are going to stop noticing that the quality of writing is that like meaningful, especially when we're just living in a world of like rapid headlines and things like that. Um, And so you end up with this situation where it doesn't make sense to hire an editor because they can't justify it's like that little blurb is worth pennies, like fractions Mm -hmm. of a penny. um, Or let's just talk about like clicks or or views. Um, You know, to get a lot of traction, it doesn't have to be edited well. Right. Just has to be salacious or it has to capture. I mean, I saw a fucking news article today on my Google feed and it was like, I was like, well, of course this catches my attention. The Google feed was like, you know, a hundred and hundred, one thousand seven foot asteroid headed for Earth. Like just, you know, like, and then so I click on the like, there's that, I forget what the button is and they change this all the fucking time, but there's a way to look at the other articles that like, Yes. that surround that for the Google yes. feed. Um, and like all the articles are different. Like one's like a 104 foot asteroid might be headed for it. Like all the titles are just these like fucking. And and finally I figure out that it's like, you know, like last week, like NASA released another report of similar, you know, asteroids that are being tracked uh-huh. now. Right. Uh-huh. And like the fucking article was so like, it wasn't even an article. It was just a headline. And if you clicked through <laughs> to it, it was like some fucking like, like YouTube short of somebody just blurbing out a bunch of shit that made no fucking sense. I was like, it, it, anyway, my point being is that that is what is ruling our media, right? Like our, mm-hmm. like more like people complain about Fox news and shit. I mean, yes, they're fucking terrible. And it, the court, the, the factual court documents attest to that situation. <laughs> yes. But like, that's not even like the day to day. It's like, the baseline is just like we need more views because that's how we get paid because our whole model is just selling advertising and getting somebody else who wants to sell shit to you to advertise on our platform and get as many people to look at it and that's how we get paid yes and that's all that matters which is horrific right it's just (laughs) terrifying because it has nothing to do with you know there's no there's no incentive for truthfulness there's only incentive for um, capturing as many views as possible and if that's like I mean, in many ways, it's like, you know, at some point I can just imagine like just the Internet just converts to porn. Like, I mean, it already has in many ways. You know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of like 
you know, are we all just like pretending that there's not just this like thin veneer of decency? Decency. I don't even like to use that word, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Like the reality is, is it's just like whatever's going to capture you. Like, is it fear of dying? Is it fear of like, you know, or is it sex? Right. Like, where yeah. are we? Like, where are we on this? You know, ads, 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 ads. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, um. There used to be sort of, God, I don't know how would you describe this. So there was always the advertising in print newspapers, but there was like a competitive aspect of truthfulness to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like the more right you were, the sooner, the better you were as a publication. Yes, right, right. Like the more factual you were and the more... Yeah, so the person who could be the most accurate and, and provide the most detail about a particular news item in the soonest amount of time was the the best quote unquote like news source right new york times was and you know of course like you get better and better advertisers the more people want to read you and the more people want to read you the better stories you have and to get a good story you need an editor right i mean you can get a good story but to convey that story in a way that it will appeal to and be like recognized and understood by lots and lots of people who are all really different from each other Mm -hmm. um you need like somebody who whose job it is to do that like not your job to come up with the content not your job to like worry about ad revenue or how much it's going to cost it's to just focus on making sure that the ideas are conveyed in a way that are understandable and they make sense in flow Mm -hmm. and to do it better and faster than everybody else and like that just isn't like at all a thing anymore no like the 24-hour news cycle obliterated any concept of like of like getting to a story first like mm-hmm. it's there's not like event followed by event followed by event that people report on anymore it's just a fucking soup now right it's i mean it's it, it all just feels kind of homogenized into this like background mm-hmm. sizzle noise like on a like a staticky tv where it's just like in at all times or just like like the internet has placed unedited mommy blogs on the same footing as like the fucking washington post or something like that right because they're both as accessible in fact the washington post is less accessible than some stupid mommy blog because mommy bloggers don't charge for access right exactly they just refuse to tell you about the recipe you're looking up until 14 pages of their oh horrible childhood. Later, right. you're yes. like, wow, I didn't need to know any of that about you. I just want to get to the recipe. Right. I mean. And the title's I, is, like how to make fucking carrot cake. And it's yeah. like, you know, the fucking five pages before that about their history with carrot cake and how they, when they were a child or whatever, picked carrots from the garden. Like it's, yeah. you know, fine if I wanted to read stories about it, but you're misleading because you said, here's a recipe for carrot cake. Right. So not only did you lie to me <laughs> right. when I clicked on your stupid thing, everything on your page is written in script, which makes it really hard to read. Mm-hmm. And also, you need an editor. Also, I don't care about your dumb stories. I just want your recipe. <laughs> right. Like, I feel like so much of the internet forces me to be an audience. Yes. And I'm like, I'm not an audience. I'm a researcher. I'm in the wrong place. Right. <laughs> I, there's no research anymore yeah but yeah i just have noticed um 
like so many things could benefit from an editor and I I see this everywhere and it's not some of the most obvious things are like misspellings incorrect punctuation and that's like really basic stuff like you just need a proofreader for that and editors beyond proofreading like proofreading is just kind of like a factual like are all the words spelled correctly are the commas and semicolons in the right place have they been used appropriately in context that's it. it you're not editing editing requires you to kind of like philosophically approach a piece of writing and be like what's the goal of this writing like right. who is this for how do i want it what tone do i want to convey when i write about this thing and uh like proofreading is great and it's a part of editing but proofreading is not editing necessarily yeah yeah i mean it's uh i feel like editing goes beyond it goes yeah i mean that's part of the process right like you right. you know we had so in our book that we published um people are like well what fucking book is that we published this book uh every time a bell rings which is a um which probably if you've listened to other podcasts we've talked about it already but if this is the only one you ever listen to it's just this uh lovely little humor book about every time a bell rings which is like the, the story about or it's sort of it's a bunch of rhyming couplets around uh what happens to angels in the theme of like every time a bell rings right right and then it has these amazing illustrations on every page by meg here um Whee! and they're just these delightfully quick little doodles that are whimsical and funny <laughs> and they try to encapsulate the vision of the rhyming couplet about you know whatever yes. whatever that particular calamity befell that particular angel um mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway um that book is uh is available now like go out there and check it out if you're interested every um, time a bell rings every time about yeah uh Buy every time a bell rings by disaster and arthur g enos um yeah look that up so uh it's it's definitely, I think we should have thought about the title a little bit more because there's actually a lot of books called Every Time a Bell Rings. <laughs> um, but you won't miss ours. It's just big, bold, black letters that say Every Time a Bell Rings on a white cover. Um, it looks like a generic cereal box. Yeah, and the author, if you Google Every Time a Bell Rings with the author Disaster, uh, that's D-E-E, -E, and then second word, this last name is Zaster, Z-A-S-T-E-R, um, you'll, you'll find it right away. Um, right. Anyway, or just fucking email Dana and be like, hey, where's this motherfucking book? I want a copy. Um, right. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah. So. Um, send me a book. Yeah, send me a book. Uh, anyway. Um, we did a lot of editing on that. We did a lot of editing on that. And the process of the editing was like very revision. Like there were a lot of revisions. Mm -hmm. There were um, a lot of back and forth about, you know, at different levels, right? Like. Yeah. Um, appropriate was, length. Appropriate length, layout, etc. cetera. Um, mm -hmm. But. Again, this is one of those places where it's like, you know, as we go forward and we talk about publishing other books, I think more and more about like hiring an actual editor and being like, hey, you know, somebody outside of our little, uh, you know, mental coven of like, you know, blinders or whatever, where we're like, this is the way the world works. Like, I want yeah. somebody who's just like very objectively like looks at it and is like, okay, well, you know, this is garbage. Do this you know if you really mean this you should say it this way etc somebody who really can do the editing right like someone who mm -hmm. you know and it's not that we can't do that for each other and it's important to have that process um i mean that's why our book is wildly successful so right. in the double yeah. digits of, in the double digits already yeah um 13 is double digits right mm -hmm. um so right yeah or 13 digits lucky number 13, lucky number 13. yeah <laughs> and internationally sold because we sold one in germany so 
That's right. We sold a copy in Germany. Yep. Someone in Germany has seen our book. Yeah. Yep. Or will soon. I don't wow. know how. Yeah. I don't know how long ago they ordered it. Um, yeah. Depending on shipping, etc. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Editing. Uh, so there are um, also like, I mean, I guess at this point, if you're in the world of like art and design um, mm -hmm. and you haven't really considered editing for any kind of work that you're producing, um, consider it like it can really elevate uh, and clarify and it can be a great process even if you only do it like I like weirdly I'm trying to think of like okay like I'm a painter like I or I'm a not just a painter but like I'm a um, fine arts painter like I paint portraits or something like that yes um, or you know whatever kind of paintings um, mm -hmm. I can imagine like there's probably not a lot of like work out there for this but I can't <laughs> imagine having like choosing somebody to help edit your work at mm -hmm. some point like help them edit like if you're going to put on a show have somebody help you um by giving you that that sort of interaction and feedback of like hey like these are the paintings i'm thinking about putting on you know in the show and like here's my common theme or whatever and you have these ideas and then an editor might be able to sit down and be like okay like what are some of your goals for the show and then also like if you're trying to show your your best side of this particular theme perhaps you might consider some of these other paintings or you might consider doing paintings more like this in order to mm -hmm. um and one can argue that you know that interfere the artistic process but understanding that the editing is like a like a sharpening stone like it's a way for you yeah. to like hone down your message your concepts mm -hmm. your ideas your communication with people it's in many ways editors are kind of like you know representing an audience in a sense they're like hey like i'm gonna you know give you that feedback and i'm gonna help you you know i'm gonna bring a lot of experience hopefully or you know some training or even just their particular thinking and be like okay this is what i think you should do right so um or how you can convey like your message yes. or yeah, it they uh, not everybody knows everything. I mean, that sounds stupid when you say it out loud, but <clears throat> you can't like usually if people become really good at something it's because they've spent a lot of time doing that, maybe mm -hmm. to the exclusion of other things. Sure. And yeah. so if you're really good at writing, you may not be very good at editing. And even if you're really great at editing, you may not be very good at writing. Like Right. It's taking uh, uh, editing is a process of taking ideas yours or someone else's and like refining them. Mhm. Mm yeah into something like usable or more understandable or um better than before um yeah gets the message across more thoroughly or concisely or how whatever it all depends like the reason editors are so great is because you can take a piece of writing to them and you can explain who the audience is for and then they can help you make it so that you actually accomplish the goal with your writing that you're trying to accomplish and reach the people you're trying to reach mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense and you don't look like a total idiot right you do it right um that's important too right right um there are to to that end there are lots of different types of editors too like mm -hmm. Most editors at baseline read content, correct spelling, do all of that stuff like we were talking about proofreading. Um, they may even rewrite some of your stuff to like make it more coherent. Mm -hmm. They they evaluate whether something you've submitted <clears throat> is appropriate for the place you've submitted it to for publication. Yep. Um, they help you refine your ideas or tell stories. They approve final versions of things. So there are like assistant editors and 
they may be responsible for like particular subjects like if they're there's usually like a, a managing editor and executive editor that oversees other editors and mm -hmm. the team of editors are editors who specialize in different types of writing or like sports editors for like the sports section of a newspaper or people who understand government and how government functions those people would be especially good at editing any kind of type of writing that has to do with like municipal policies things like that um there's so assistant editors usually like specialize into a particular type of subject right. um there's copy editors and those people are usually the people who are looking for like grammatical errors punctuation um they like if you've heard of style manuals like um MLA, Chicago Manual of Style, mm -hmm. APA Style. Um, editors will help you ensure that your writing follows those style types. Right. <clears throat> and um, they confirm sources. They verify facts, stuff like that. They do, like, copy editors also do layouts. So yeah. if you need to have, like, a photo with a caption or something, they will make sure that the photo and the caption fit in a way that is geometrically sane with right. the rest of your text on a page or something like that. I mean, in many ways, uh, when we were writing everything or when we were publishing uh, every time a bell rings, the um, the edit we did have a copy editor in that sense. You know, Chris did all of the layout editing, right? So right, he made sure that the caption, you know, that the text and the images lined up and the um, you know, the margins of the book were correct so that when the printing process happened, we didn't lose images or text. Um, you know, he did a really amazing job. Like it, it's. Yeah. Um, and that that is why, you know, and that and that would have been almost impossible. I think I, I don't think impossible for us, but it, it really I feel like brought the book together in a way that like just wasn't going to happen. Yes. otherwise. Like we'd <laughs> it, done a little bit of work, you and I, um, to self, like we'd done some self printing at home, literally <laughs> on a color printer and then binding yeah. with the, you know, binding with the, um, sewing machine and then a little bit of medical tape and it looked yeah, great, yeah. but also it looked amazing. Yeah. It looked amazing, but also <laughs> not the same. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it was de like our product was definitely more on the, like, humble artistic side yes and what chris has helped us do is actually take all of our ideas and put them in a format that was like professional <laughs> yeah yeah and a profession that neither of us have any experience or access with aside from like rudimentary stuff like exactly. we're talking about right now like yeah. yeah um you know i'm not an editor it actually takes some skill and knowledge to like edit it's not just like your opinion <laughs> right. It should be right. Written. it's right. not just an opinion yeah um there's like uh, executive editors um, are typically do like hiring too of other editors. So they sure. like hire sports writers, reporters, other employees. They plan budgets and negotiate contracts and stuff. Like managing editors usually work for like an, a media company. Mm -hmm. So like a newspaper or magazine or television. Um, and they are responsible for like the daily operations or they're like operations managers, even though they're editors, um, because at some point they're deciding what's in and what's out, you know, what, right. what, what makes the cut, what doesn't. Um, yeah, I just, it's super interesting to me and how editors work, um, seems really interesting too. Like there's people who are freelance editors. There's people who work in offices. There's people who work like in a remote location, but they're, they're employed by a company, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It also, I read here at the 
government website, the occupational um, bureau, the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics in their occupation information for editors says that um, self-employed editors face the pressure of finding work on an ongoing basis and continually adjusting to new work environments. So like I would think that editing um, would lend itself very nicely to like an interdisciplinary practice. Yeah. Uh, if you knew a lot about a lot of stuff, you could probably be a pretty good editor insofar as you would maybe maybe be able to tie things together in a way that people who are very concentrated on a specific topic, like a like an assistant editor or whatever, would be. Right, right. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. So, yeah, there's, there's lots of people who work, generally speaking, um, about a third of people who work as editors work for, like, some kind of media company, newspaper, magazine, book editing, um, also scientific and technical services employ a lot of editors it looks like about a tenth of the workforce which is interesting like you and I both have experienced technical writing we mm-hmm. I've done it you've done it we've both yep. worked in science labs and you have to like how you report out about your information and your data and your findings and whether or not they support your hypothesis and all these things is like a really special type of writing and if you are just coming into that for the first time having someone who's an editor who can help you prepare those yeah. reports and stuff like that is immensely helpful so you don't look like a total idiot right right yeah um yeah i mean it's super important especially when you're communicating stuff that's very specific like that mm-hmm. um it's really important to you know this is i mean this is like a common trope in the science reporting industry mm-hmm. where something gets written in a scientific article and then someone else is like a thousand foot boulder is heading towards the earth we're all gonna <laughs> die and they're like no estimated to be between you know 10 and a thousand feet wide this you know meteor is you know currently known to be orbiting in the near vicinity of earth blah 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 or whatever like you mm-hmm. know there's a big difference between these two statements and yes. yet they're like and that's where like scientific communication is really important um and where i get into trouble at work where uh, you know because I don't work directly in a science community anymore where before it was valued that all of my statements were heavily qualified. Yeah. Always like I wouldn't say this is going to work 100% of the time. I was like I this is, you know, my I'm putting forward this software package with the idea that it will work in this very specific context. And right. like at you know, working in the software community at large, it's much more like they want these absolutes of like they don't want to hear qualifiers. Just want to hear that, right. like, yes, it fucking works. Yeah. It's amazing. It's going to do this thing super great. And, like, that's not real to me. Mm-hmm. But other people, they hear the qualifiers as, no, this is buggy software that's going to crash and die. Whereas the reality is usually my software is the one that survives for another five years while they're still trying to replace it. Like, yeah. it's, and, you know, but they fired me a long time ago or, you know, let me go because contracting yeah. is not quite the same as getting fired. But, um, you know, your contract like, ends and they don't renew it. or whatever. Yeah, they don't, yeah. you know, or they like I moved on to better shit. And I'm like, I'm not going to fucking mm-hmm. work for you guys when you guys are all complaining that, you know, get somebody else to write, write, you know, heavily caveated software that actually works as opposed to what they want, which is right. somebody to say, nope, solution done, solved. It's great. Everything's going to be fantastic from now on. Um, now give me all your money. <laughs> yeah, now give me all your money. And then they do. And then they spend right. five more years, you know, in bed with this partner who still hasn't developed the fucking product that they want. Um, anyway. They need an editor. Yeah. I definitely don't have a strong opinion about a very particular event that happened <laughs> in my career. <laughs> or several. <laughs> um, anyway. 
Uh, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, I understand. Like, it, there were lots of people involved in these things. It's, I'm sure it's not that black and white. I don't mean to, yeah. you know, there I go again, qualifying it, right? It's not this absolute <laughs> of I was right, they were wrong. Um, it's more specific than that. And exactly. also, yeah. So anyway, editing um, is this really amazing career or occupation uh, task. It just depends um, and I think in many ways it's a little bit like I lament the loss of it. I lament that like that not being more it's like fucking editors and teachers, you know what I mean? Like these yeah. fucking things that like should have both like, you know, more more better backing and more, mm -hmm. you know, more veneration in our society. They're like the guardrails like, on society. Yes, exactly. And like now we live in a world it's like people are just fucking falling off the cliff all the time yes. and everybody's standing around the base being like this is such a tragedy and it's like we used to have a railing. They're like well I don't we can't afford railing. I don't <laughs> see why we need that. Yeah right. You're just. You're I don't even pay, see how that's related. That's not going to stop somebody, people from jumping off this. <laughs> right. Yeah, somebody sorry. who doesn't even write stuff. Yeah, they don't even pay do anything. Them to just read other people's stuff. Yeah, I need content. I need people who create content not people right. who are just going to you know make it smaller. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Nobody so, fucking cares what the content is. They just need more of it. So another thing that makes me um, think about editors and their place in society is, uh, or their dwindling place in society, I should say, yeah. is um, the advent of things like ChatGPT. Oh, yes. I went there. Like you and I have sort of talked over the last few days about your adventures with ChatGPT. Uh -huh. I have not gained access to it because I didn't submit to gain access to it. And also, I, I don't know yeah. what I would ask it. I mean, I right. with enough time, I would probably get sucked down into it and like wake up with gray hair and be like, how long sure. have I been at this? Um, having a pointless conversation with a computer. But like uh, I that to me, the 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 like paradigm under which chat gpt or these other chat bots like operate yes seems to completely bypass the concept of an editorial or an editorial process entirely yeah like it's not like there's a gap or like it, i don't it, it just completely omits the necessity and the concept of what an editor would do when compiling information and making sure that it's accurate like right right it's almost the anti-editor it just yeah. makes shit well, up and and a lot of the a lot of the um well the worst part is it doesn't actually make shit up what it does yes, is it's right. it pseudo random joins information together in right. a natural language way and right. so the fact that like when you use it like they're really it it now is like we talked about like there's mm -hmm. people are like oh it doesn't actually return factual information and from my point of view that who fucking cares like we should all know that already and know that this is mm -hmm. you know what's interesting is this is this novel toy that um really does natural language processing in a very interesting yeah. way but what's come out of it is people are like no like it needs to be factual so there's all these like uh, you know, um, what's it called? Like asterisks or caveats of like using it, which is to say it's not guaranteed to be 100% accurate, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Um, mm -hmm. But yet when you use it, it really purports to be, I try to be truthful. I'm trying to tell you the truth of the things. And right. then when you get these returns back, it's like, it, it's no wonder people are like, you just, it's not fucking truthful at all. It's just this weird synthesis of a massive database of knowledge. Right. Um, like that, if, yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm going to write a paper. Yeah. I have to talk about thoughts or 
or ideas in the paper, right? Yeah, like, right. So I'm like, here's a thing. Here's here's the thing of it, right? Mm-hmm. Here's yep. a thing, and here's all about the thing. And I'm going to tell you all about the thing. The thing is this. The thing is meant to do this. It operates in this way. Whatever, right? I, right, right. And and because I am not the person who has all of the original thoughts about all of the things I know, I have to like accredit thoughts that other people came up with that I am discussing and I have to right. like say oh this person had this this idea this idea is theirs here's what I think about their idea and I can write about their idea but if I don't credit them it's called plagiarism right because and I'm the- taking their idea and talking about it like it was mine because I haven't said it wasn't mine right there's also I think people miss the val like sometimes you know plagiarism is like oh it's bad because that person didn't get credit it's also harms the listener or the reader or the consumer mm-hmm. because now i don't know that there's a pathway to follow where i could find out more about that information and right. see what somebody else thought about it right and so yeah like distinguishing what you're purporting to be your your thoughts versus mm-hmm. someone else's thoughts is important to the engagement of the person who's consuming right. what you're the thoughts that you're giving right you need to leave a a paper trail essentially when you're writing yeah. a paper you leave a paper trail from that that goes through all the other papers that other people wrote about the ideas that you are discussing in your paper right. an editor would ensure that all of those sources are cited that they are cited in an appropriate way meaning they follow a protocol like the author's last name comma first name right period the year that they wrote the book whatever there's different styles like i mentioned earlier chicago manual style mla style apa style there's a bunch of different style manuals mm-hmm. those manuals dictate how you talk about stuff and how you describe that in the writing and like what's interesting to me about chat gpt that you showed me is that chat gpt will like cite papers Mm -hmm. that don't actually exist because what chat gpt is doing is like oh i understand after like analyzing all of this data that in in a paper usually somewhere they say like oh this paper references this paper written by these people and this is especially like remember when i forwarded that guy who was like a science writer or something i can't remember what he did but he he, he, maybe he was a doctor and so he asked chat gpt a bunch of stuff and the things that chat gpt returned were information about i don't know something about like the progression of a pregnancy or something like that, right? Something yep. medical. And it was like, here's how a pregnancy progresses. And I know this because I'm drawing this information from this paper and here's the citation for this paper. And what's interesting is that the style of the citation is accurate and correct, mm-hmm. but the information put into it is completely randomly aggregated so it's like uh so in a paper the citation requires that there be an author name so i'm gonna like aggregate all of the information that i scoured and trained from on this data set and i'm just gonna say like well we need one name here so here's a name not the name right but i know names i know names names. yeah so here's a name what do you need five names you need five some papers have five authors here's five names and so like this doctor in specific who i'm referring to like got information some of which was factually correct but literally every paper that the chat gp cited was a paper that it had reiterated and aggregated and spit back out in a in a recombinant way right so, so these it was are not like actual human names but these people do not exist right and that might be a real paper title maybe or really similar but it's not the paper that it's actually right. like yeah 
Right. Yeah, nor are those the authors for that title, nor did that publication date happen. For, yeah, like, it's just, yeah. yeah. It's like ChatGPT has like a bin over here for like people names who write papers and it just like plugs some random ones in. And then yes. like over here, yeah. it's got like, oh, the name of a medical journal. I'll just like right. aggregate a bunch yes. of words that are close to words that I saw in medical journals and I'll stick right. them in here, you know, which is like profound and amazing on its own. But I don't know that people realize that's what it's doing right like it's not actually doing the research and like editing and compiling it for you it's just making things up from things it can draw on to like regurgitate at you in a different order right right than what it found which like i said that's amazing it's an amazing feat of engineering that we got to this point but also it's like oh fuck the fact that it seems so amazing lulls people into a false sense of security of like believing what it says yes. and like almost yeah. nothing is actually true. And then, it, you know, that raises questions about the nature of truth. Like yes. What is true? Right. Um, right. But yeah, like it takes a human mind at some point or an editor yeah. to like actually verify and go through and make sure this stuff is coherent and it was truthful and like you're not just spewing gobbledygook. Right. Right. Yeah. But it seems to me that like chat GPT in some ways, like nobody has ever been like, here's what it's for and here's how you should use it. And this is why we design it. Like it, there's not, it's not that clear what this was even meant to do to me. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, I think the overriding theme at the moment seems to be around the idea of like um, a sort of natural language information querying machine. So, you, yeah. which is exactly the problem we're talking about, right? Which right. is to say, we're saying, hey, I can write a natural sentence saying, would you please tell me about, um, you know, the the punctuation uh, in Tarobang? And then it's going to synthesize and write in, in what it considers natural language back mm-hmm. information that it knows about in its database. Right. And, and this, to my mind, is like, this is where like if you want to use it for fictional responses or sort of like abstractness where you're like i need to generate this i'd like to read a text about a short story about billy you know fetching um golf balls out of the local you know lake like Mm -hmm. then it's gonna be great because there's nothing to you know like it it might be fantastical it's gonna talk about some new special machine that he's invented or whatever and all of that is that recombinant of like Mm -hmm. it going and looking in its database and being like i have this information i have this information i know how to stick them together with verbs and nouns and you know predicates and things like that and you know make a make a sentence um but but then if you're like oh i'd like to know about um you know the mars the mission history. or the yeah like yeah. i'd like to know about this historical event then it's going to um be questionable like it might tell you things that are verifiable and it might tell you other things that are like yeah. eh. and it's all and and you know that's fine but and i've noticed when i try to query it on stuff that's like very knowable um mm-hmm. it at one point you can ask so an interesting thing to do when you're if you're playing around with chat gpt um, you can ask it about the nature of itself. You can ask it yes. about how it, um, you know, how it was created, like how how it how it thinks it works. And think is not the right word, but um, you know, you can ask it questions like, "How do you arrive at this answer or that answer?" And it will try to tell you about the nature of it. One thing right. is that it actually has templates um, that it uses. So you can imagine templates are more like um, some things are fixed in place, right? So if you ask mm-hmm. it about the January six riots. 
it seems like there's a lot of facts that are fixed in place. Somebody went in and said, these are the fucking facts and you can't change uh -huh. those. But this shit over here you can. So every time it responds to you about it, it might have a different way of saying it, but it's probably like working with pretty immutable data from its mm -hmm. point of view. Um, but then other stuff where no one's created a template. And so it starts to become this thing where you're like, it, how revised and like human edited is this information actually? Well, that was where I was kind of like, you're kind of anticipating what I was sort of thinking as you were saying these things. Like when they trained it on data sets, did they weight the data at all? Like are some things more important that, or less important? Is something more truthful or less truthful? Is there, or Was there any uh, assignment of truth value to any of the things that it yeah. studied in the data sets or whatever? Like. And also, like, I mean, this is where it gets into trouble because, I, and this is where, I like, coming back to editing, mm -hmm. um, we're talking about, like, already ChatGPT has had teams of editors editing its content, right? Yeah. Because people were like, whoa, 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 it's doing these things. It's racist. Yeah. It's biased, whatever. And so then a team of editors had to come in and fucking edit deselect deselect shit and also, like, work on, you know, pushing it in a different direction. And... And sorry, you said something just before that, but um, oh, that's I don't know. Uh, okay. weighted, da weighted data. Oh value. yeah. Oh the the value of truth. Yeah. Uh, so that was a thing that like really early on, I was asking a lot of different like when I ask a question and I get like a response that I'm like that's not really, you know, I'm trying to edit my own responses to uh -huh. elucidate information out of it that I think is is more real or yes. more on point to what I'm asking. And, you know, one of the things is I'm like, I want to understand, like, how it decides what is considered truth. Yes. And um, as best I can tell, it doesn't. It doesn't really, like, it just okay. sort of, like, the best way that I could, like, conceptualize of this is it just sort of responds with information as, like, general consensus, right? Which is to say, mm. most of my sources say this. But okay. oftentimes it just, re it really, it relays source information um Ultimately, it's just relaying data points. The fact that it's, um, you know, able to kind of give you flowery language around it that sounds more natural is is a parlor trick. The yeah. thing that it's really doing is it's just giving you Google hit results on a pretty good data or a pretty large, robust data set that um, people generally consider as like not corrupt with other shit. So. In some ways, you'd be like, this is a weird like interface to a version of Google from that was frozen in 2021 or whenever, or 2022. <laughs> yeah. There's like a cutoff date that it will tell you about if you push it hard enough. Like, really? Yeah. Well, like you have to, you can ask it about it and say, oh, I don't really yeah. know anything after 2022. And I'm like, well, specifically what date? And so I started asking it more and more contemporary historical information. Mm -hmm. um, until I got to a point where I was like, oh, it was like September 2022 or something like that is the cutoff. Okay. And so anything before yeah. that, it knows about. And anything after that, it doesn't know about. It doesn't. And it will tell right. you it doesn't know about it. Um, Interesting. And yeah, anyway, um, I, it is, we're getting close to the end of this podcast. I'm also yes. getting close to having to go back to work, which is right. whatever. But yes. a lovely lunch hour. I always appreciate. This um, is a good one. Yeah, so I didn't mean to like cut you off. Do you have any more? No, that's okay. it. That's it. Yeah. I I was just thinking like it just like much of the internet mm -hmm. it just seems like a level playing field. It's very horizontal and not very vertical. Everything if you can get it onto the internet, mm -hmm. it's it's in the same pool with everything else. There's no There's like, no yeah, there's and there's not like 
there's and then when it when ChatGPT draws off of that, it treats everything like it's equally important or equally true or not true or equally irrelevant. Whether there's a truth value to anything it says, like it's just sort of flat. I think if you think of this in terms of like evolution or natural Mm -hmm. selection, um, it's terrifying to my mind because when you look at what the only selecting so like in natural selection like a brief summary is like the idea is like you have organisms that um evolve and adapt and so left to their own devices they'll just kind of become all random shit but mm-hmm. there's an outside force that incentivizes them to do particular things right so like this organism needs to get you know accumulate a food source and so it makes it you know the this the versions of that organism that have better finger longer fingers that can reach the food source faster survive more and reproduce more and so they're selected towards um Mm -hmm. whereas the ones with shitty fingers that can't fucking hold their own food and feed themselves are selected Mm -hmm. against because they die without reproduction or they die with less reproduction so if you think about in terms of the internet and like information evolution the only fucking selecting force is really that that money advertising cycle and that's it right and that terrifies a terrible me. right a terrible selector like a, a a selection criteria right and so it's i mean it's no wonder we live in an age where false information is king mm-hmm. like you know the the paltry attempts of of various organizations to combat it or whatever are yeah. these like pushbacks where it's like, oh, a particularly bad thing happened here, like Trump happened. So we, we need to maybe try to do a thing. But it's like, it's too fucking late and like not enough or like yeah. a well understanding of any of the problem of that sort of like financial advertising cycle. Um, yes. And also, if you have an opinion about this and you think I'm wrong, like I'd like to hear it because this yeah. is just me thinking about it off the cuff right now. Like I can just kind of see it's like, well, that's kind of a selector. And, you know. Yep. And it's driving is just like get as many eyeballs as possible, which means our relation to the Internet is this sort of give and take of like, what do I consume drives more of that consumption. And the thing that pushes people to do more of that is the money getting poured into advertising. Yes, because that's how the Internet works. Like we don't have like that, you know, Amazon fucking, you know, everything is about selling shit, right? Like it's just Mm -hmm. like funnel money away into the rich people's pockets. Mm hmm. So. Yeah, and it used to be that you needed editors to make sure that the thing that you were selling was ac- more accurate and more true than what right. other people were selling because that's what people wanted. And now it's like somehow we've been like, well, that doesn't matter at all. We're selecting yeah, right. for something else completely different yes. now. Yeah, that can't um, be real. No. <laughs> well, this was a good one. Yeah, this is uh, a great one. Yeah. Do we have any? Do we have any end end <gasps> material? Oh well, don't we have the um. Uh, what's it? Oh, short story long. Long story yeah, short. Yeah, long story short. Yeah, Let's do you want to do a long story short? Yeah, let me find one quick. Hang on. All right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, I can't get my thing to work. There it is. Long story short. <sighs> okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Have you ever had a surprise sandwich, like something a friend made and plopped down in front of you unexpectedly? No, this kind of sound. Well, me. I, this sounds amazing. Go on. The last time it happened to me, it was shocking. There was blood everywhere, and I could hear a baby crying in the background. Long story short, watch out with those random sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. We are so amusing to ourselves, aren't uh-huh. we? Uh-huh. I really uh, like that when we were texting the other day and you were like, our all, our parallel lives are amazing because we were talking about, I can't remember, uh, you and I often like text each other with these like 
like imaginative stories of how we might have existed in a parallel, like things yes. we did in a different environment, like <laughs> life. And I really, um, it just occurred to me that like you were like, then you said something really nice. You were like, oh, until I met you, like, you know, it was like my life was pretty dull compared to my parallel life until I met you. Right. And then I was like, oh, that's so kind. I, I feel the same way. And then I was like, oh, well, we caught up with ourselves. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. We caught up with ourselves. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Convergence. Um, yes. Yeah. Because it feels like it's been kind of a nonstop, like sort of, um, I, I feel like before we met each other, there was that, like, I was kind of like, eh, you know, um, like, I, I feel like I, I'm Alice in Wonderland, but uh-huh. like no one else seems to want to buy that bullshit. And then uh-huh. I met you and you're like are you in a rabbit hole? I'm in a rabbit hole. Like, what is going on here? And then we were what, like, oh, well, what we can just... What does your rabbit hole look like and <laughs> yes. smell and taste like? <laughs> All right. <Yes>. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, God. It's such so a good. Such a fun, delightful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel also like I used to kind of like go down the rabbit hole a little, but I'd always have to come back out again. But now I know you. We just kind of like live yes. down it. Yes. Yeah. The refresh rate on the rabbit hole is much more frequent. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. It's like, no, actually, it's okay to point out the absurdity of life around you all the time. And at all times, you know, yes. you don't have to spend this time like trying to pretend like it's not happening. Right. That's, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to pretend like it's not happening. It's happening. Right. It's and, happening. You know, yeah. you could be laughing 65% more you of the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with us. <laughs> right. Uh. <sighs> well, I have to go plant some uh, agastache seeds for the hummingbirds that live in the tree across the street from me. So they yes. come visit my yard. Fantastic. All right. Yeah. And I need to go back to work. All um, right. My lunch hour is over, which is fine because I am now refreshed Whew. and nourished thanks, by this stimulating conversation with us yes all right thanks everybody